Thank you. Um, Catherine's already um, given you a get-out clause if you're a bit hot and bothered that you can escape. Uh, I, I wonder, anyone like me enjoys the warm weather? Does anyone like sunny weather? Who absolutely detests it? Quite a few of you. It's a struggle, isn't it? What would you, what, I wonder what you were doing yesterday. I bet it wasn't what Alice and I were doing, okay? We, you know, we do the um, England Coast Path Walk, and we went um, down to near, is it Selsey? The Witterings on one side, and Pagham Harbour, and Pagham on the other side. So we thought we'd do a little bit of that, tidy it up. We've not done that little stretch before. It's a bit tricky. So we thought we're not going to walk too far, it's a bit warm. But we um, thought we'd start on the Pagham side. And uh, it's a little bit awkward there because the coastal path signposts tell you to go one way and uh, round the whole harbour. I thought I'm not having that. Uh, <laughs> so we decided to go a little bit straight. We went straight on. What we didn't realise until a little bit later, it's a nudist beach. Uh, <laughs> but we got, we, got, um, we got as far as the edge, as far as you could go. And it looks quite shallow and tame. Has anyone been anywhere near there? Like, it just... And uh, warm day. Didn't quite strip off completely, you'll be pleased to know. But I got my shoes and socks off and was walking on the pebbles. I'm absolutely rubbish at walking on pebbles. So I wasn't getting very far. I thought, I'll get to the other side. Uh, what I didn't realize, um, I needed to be a beached whale for a little while because it was too painful on my feet. And I start sort of drifting over there. All of a sudden, you're out of your depth and you start floating towards the sea. Diggy the dog thought he would come and help. Not a lot of help. Alison didn't want to be outdone. So she decides to get in, more like a dolphin than a beach whale. Anyway, but she's not very good. She got to the other side, not very good at swimming in the current on the way back. So Diggy the dog thought he'd go and help. She's got scratch marks all over her. He is not a very good lifesaver. But the upshot is that we got there and back, and I've saved myself a few miles walk. But it is um, quite a salutary tale about following the way and signposts. And there's, um, there's a very good reason why there's a big RNLI life-saving station near there, because people do stupid things from time to time that end, us up, end up in, in perilous situations. And we walk to the other end of the beach towards the Witterings, and some of you will know that that's now been allowed to flood and it's very, very muddy. And from our little experience, we thought it'd be very unwise to avoid the pathways and the signposts on this occasion. Some of you know that last week I spoke on Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. I talked about our churchyard as a signpost to people finding Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. Our churchyard being a pathway that connects up our village and our community. But for me, um, more than that, it needs to be signposting people to Jesus. And if we don't have any contact with folks, it's quite unlikely for that to happen. Today, at the end of my talk, there's a, I think it's a six-minute film explaining from different ministry leads 
um, their vision for the future, little snapshots, not their whole vision, of just a few of our leaders in the church sharing with you some visionary ideas, which I hope and pray that each and every one of us will feel as though we want to participate in some way. At the very, very least, we cover your prayers. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity today to worship. I thank you for people like John the Baptist and others who had a ministry of signposting people to you, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, that that we'd be unashamed of you and your gospel and that you'd give us all a greater passion to pray and to work with you and others at signposting people to you, Lord Jesus, and being with them as we journey on this eternal way. Amen. So, um, one of the things that sort of jumped out at me about the passage this morning um, was in verse 1. The kingdom of God, Matthew 3 verse 1, um, is coming near, has come near. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom comes near, I've just said, with prayer and worship, but also with our relationships. We Christians have God's holy presence living in us and working through us, and in our daily interactions have the opportunity for others through our witness to come to know Jesus. I've got loads of examples in everyday life uh, of being near others, but them not connecting, and them not connecting with Jesus. I think of the hundreds and even thousands of people that go past this church, either in cars or on foot, or even the droves of people that come in to do lots of different activities that uh, probably are oblivious or don't make a spiritual connection so near and yet so far away. I think of the countless people I, you, we engage with in daily life, at work or school, Uh, in the previous service at parents at the school gate, the recreation ground, maybe the bus stop. I know we've got some here with a bus stop ministry. The pub, maybe we've got those as well, the shops, doctor's surgeries, a club, village organizations or sports clubs. But the things of God and his kingdom are often hidden to those that we interact with. So near, yet so far away. Before the first followers of Jesus were called Christians, you'll know that they were called people of the way. And as part of our vision for the next season, I invite you as people of the way to be helping others on the way of finding Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Without your participation, support, prayers, those sorts of things, this will just um, 
uh, what we do in this church will be a shadow of what might be possible. And I know a lot goes on anyway, and there's a lot of help. But I'm just thinking there just could be more, Lord, if more people engage in this way. We're in this together. And as, as I've said before, and repeat and repeat again, together with God, we can achieve great things. You see, every God-prompted act of love and service that you initiate can bring people nearer to Jesus the way. In fact, sometimes you don't have to do very much. You just have to be there and be loving and be faith-filled and be kind. So every um, prayer, every kind gesture, every invitation um, can encourage people to engage with Jesus and it can have a profound impact. We don't always have to go hunting for God in these situations. I sometimes just have to pray that I notice God who's already there and that he might pop up in obvious ways on the pathway. This week we hosted in church a much appreciated but tragic memorial service. Um, it was for someone who earlier this year came on an Alpha course in the church. He was invited by a really good friend who's a member of Holy Trinity Church to come on the Alpha course. But um, this person did engage with Alpha and Jesus of the Alpha course. He was open to prayer and we think that this person made their peace with Jesus, but unknown to anyone, went to Switzerland a couple of weeks ago to tragically end their own life. He was declared missing. Confirmation of his whereabouts was painfully slow. The realization, an unimaginable shock. And because of the complexity of the situation, there'd be no physical remains available anytime soon for a typical funeral. But loved ones desperately needed to do something. Family and friends in total shock chose to gather in this church because the deceased had this connection and engaged with Alpha here. We believe that through the Alpha course, he'd made tangible steps to understand and engage with Jesus. But what happened wasn't the outcome anyone could have imagined. We commit Alistair to God. May he rest in peace and rise in glory. Now, I in no way want to diminish the suffering or trauma or despair that his friends and family are enduring. It's terrible. But I observe that sometimes, and not just in this situation, in the depths and darkness of terrible things, the light of God's presence can shine. Healing can come, but it takes time. Pray with me for them that it comes sooner than we imagine. I know that God was very present in that service. 
And although nothing can reverse the tragic loss of life, there can be hope and new beginnings. I often say whatever people think about God and his existence and his character, in these moments I'm trying to encourage them to open themselves up to his loving presence. I put it to them, you've got nothing to lose and everything of internal value to gain. Jesus is the way. God is closer than we think. I'm not great at remembering dates and times. This week through Chinese whispers in my family, I was embarrassed to discover that it was the three-year anniversary of the sudden and unexpected death of my brother Chris. This prompted an urgent call to my mum. I don't know where Chris was in his relationship with the Lord. It was hard to talk about faith with him when I was a passionate young Christian. I said this earlier. Uh, I think he stormed out of the house when I was sharing about Jesus. Maybe I didn't quite have the right approach. I don't know. But it's too late now. Within our family and friendship group, Chris's personality exerted loads of influence. He had a bit of a hero status with me and others about certain things. I love him dearly. Um, he was a bit annoying at times. But for some things, we did put him on rather a pedestal. Faith-wise, same family as mine, same vicar dad as mine. He was baptised, confirmed. And uh, towards the end of his life, in probably the hours before, and we weren't expecting him to die, um, he was willing to receive my prayers. Whatever faith he'd expressed in the past, and I trust and pray um, that it was there, but more than that, that God would not renege on his covenant with Chris and held on to him even when Chris pushed God away and went on his own way. This experience for my family serves as a sobering reminder that we can be here one second and gone the next. And it stirred in me a real zeal, I suppose a urgency to more clearly signpost people to Jesus, the way, the truth, the life. God is closer than we think. Please, out of love, ask God to give you maybe the courage, the love, the prayer, the words, the actions to direct those you love to Jesus. Today's um, Bible passage from Matthew 3 highlights our calling as a church to be waymakers, preparing the way as people away for folks to come to know Jesus the way. 
Spiritual fruitfulness is not measured by the amount of people we engage with or the ministries we run, although they can be useful. Spiritual fruitfulness is not about endless or even worthy activity. It's about meaningful relationships that help people to find the way to Jesus, to put their faith in him and journey with him day by day. God is closer than we think. Our Bible passage today highlights the progression in significance of baptism. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. I love doing baptisms, by the way. And then Jesus' baptism comes also with the promise of being filled with the Holy Spirit. The key to John's baptism, as I said, is repentance for um, chapter Matthew 3. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is close at hand. It has come near. And then he talks about um, preparing the way for the Lord, making straight the paths, which is, uh, I'm going to read from it, it's from Isaiah 40. So John's quoting Isaiah 40. He's the fulfillment of this prophecy in Isaiah 40. So, Isaiah 40, um, verse 3, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, and every mountain and hill made low, and the rough ground will become level, and the rugged places a plain. God's call for you and me, people of the way, is to prepare the way for others to encounter Jesus the way. I've said this, you'll get used to it. Today, in repentance um, and faith, I invite you to consecrate yourselves uh, for this task, to be co-workers, I suppose, with the sort of work that John the Baptist did. We, there's letters as, um, we're going to be sharing. I think it's quite hard to share vision letters sometimes. And um, just like the people that go past the church, it's um, possible to read a letter and, and for it to find the recycle bin very, very, very quickly or not to engage with it. I think I want to say to you is unless we can get wide and deep participation the possibilities of what can happen in God's kingdom here are more limited. And I say this knowing that some of you pour your whole hearts and your whole selves into serving God. So I'm not saying that, but just from time to time, like I have moments when I do that, but then I forget. <laughs> and sometimes I just have to be called back, and I just use this idea of consecration, and it's me and you're giving our whole selves to God. And this might sound a little bit scary, but the alternative is even worse, okay? Because we take nothing with us. So we need to give our time, our talents, our money, in a sense, consecrated to God. And that will mean different things for different people. So with that in mind, I just want to talk a little bit about Isaiah 40. Um, some of the images, valleys. We know of people, and I've shared a story of people that are take, taken very, very, very low in life. And part of our job, well, Jesus' job mainly is to be part of the rescue party and to help to take them out of the valleys. 
maybe to fill in a few potholes that folks might trip up on the way. And as for the mountains, in this instance, sometimes mountains are very glorious here. I think it speaks of those that are a little bit, um, excuse my French, up themselves and haughty. Um, uh, maybe it's self-aggrandizement, achievement. And uh, folks in that position need to humble themselves lest they be humbled. In this situation, it talks about the Pharisees and the Sadducees who thought they'd got the inside line on things. They had Abraham as their father and uh, they had the law. But unless they humble themselves in repentance, uh, they were going to be cut down to size. All of us have a final reckoning at the foot of the cross. But if we take ourselves there, our whole selves, it leads to the throne of grace where we find Jesus to be the way, the truth, and our eternal life. The crooked paths can make, represent those who are making their own way in life and, like me, from time to time, ignoring the signposting and the danger signs following our own desires. Maybe we have ignored or a little bit casual about God's word and the Christian community. And then there are those um, who are on rough places and rugged places through suffering or loss or hardship or ill health or loneliness and despair. There are folks in our community in debt. There's others that have been displaced and homeless, others who are abused. It can be those with too much to do and too little time unreasonable targets, those who feel they build bricks without straw. John the Baptist was passionate about preparing the way and signposting people to Jesus. He offers a word for all of us. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Today, God, who is closer than we think, is inviting us to re-consecrate our whole lives to him, our time, our talents, our money, offering our prayers. You and I are called to be waymakers. And this is a prayer that I've prayed, not just in this church, uh, but previous churches. And it's a vision for what I'd like to happen here, to see an ever-increasing number of people come to an ever-deepening relationship with God and overflow with his blessings to our community and beyond. Amen.